0: Welcome to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix, where each month we focus on IT innovations that are moving federal agencies forward. Here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Dan Fallon, the Senior Director of Federal Engineering at Nutanix. And Chris Howard, the Vice President of U.S. Public Sector, also at Nutanix. Chris, Dan, welcome back to the discussion.
1: Thanks for having us. Glad to be here.
0: Today we're going to talk about telework. Most of us are working from home these days given the coronavirus pandemic, but there are things federal employees need to consider – including the technology, the people, and the security. In fact, a recent Federal News Network survey of federal employees found 77% of more than 1,000 respondents say they are teleworking today because of the emergency. Of those, about 47% say they didn't already telework before the pandemic. This means there's a whole lot of people working from home who aren't used to it, who really aren't happy about it. This pandemic is challenging our day-to-day status quo from all points of view. So today on the program, we're going to discuss the ways the government can move forward on much-needed telework and related infrastructure initiatives while maintaining mission-critical operations. We'll also address the coronavirus pandemic, how that will shape the government the way it works in the short and long terms. So let's again go to my guests. Once again, I'm joined by Dan Fallon, the Senior Director of Federal Engineering at Nutanix, and Chris Howard, the Vice President of U.S. Public Sector at Nutanix. Chris, let me start with you there's a whole lot of issues when we talk about telework and having, you know, hundreds of people teleworking at once. Usually if there's a few hundred, now there's, you know, 80% of an agency or 90% of an agency. In some cases for small agencies, 100%. What are some of those big challenges? What are the technical issues that a lot of CIOs and others should keep in mind?
2: Well, I think uh, preparedness is probably the most important. I think a lot of our customers that we've been talking to and other other folks in the government is even if they thought they had a a work from home capability, it was always meant to to be in very short instances, and there was a portion of the staff that was potentially teleworking versus we're at a you know in some cases 100 percent of the staff, and the infrastructure that was built just from a concurrent user base is challenging to support. Um, there's also networking challenges, there's security challenges, so I think it was uh, the preparedness was not designed for an instance exactly like this, this pandemic, which is causing 100% of us to basically you know, shelter in place or stay at home. Um, now, nobody had the, you know, it's hard to predict that. Nobody has a crystal ball that we're gonna go through this. So I think a lot of the agencies did the best that they could with, uh, with what they understood is what the requirements could eventually be, but I, I just don't think anyone saw this coming. And so I'd say the biggest piece is is preparedness. And it's, it's hard to spin that up in a, in a time like this when you want to do it extremely quick because there's shortages based on other people and other countries on lockdown. So there's, you know, infrastructure components that, that aren't necessarily as easy to get during normal operating periods. So uh, being the utmost prepared when trying to predict something that you think is impossible, I know that's a, that's a challenge, but I think that's going to be the new way of thinking, right? Designed for, this is the first time that any of us have ever seen something like this, So, and it's the first time our parents have really seen something like this for the most part, so I just think we're going to have to reevaluate what we are being prepared to, to accomplish and you're gonna see a lot, of, uh, a lot of activity over the next 12, 16, 18 months, whatever it is, uh, with really understanding what is a true work from home solution.
0: I had a really interesting conversation with Suzette Kent, the federal CIO, and one of the things she pointed out to me was those agencies that really pushed on IT modernization, really pushed to the cloud, email to the cloud, collaboration to the cloud, or even some sort of uh, something we've talked a lot about on this show, a hybrid cloud perspective, are having while well, using quotes here easier time than those who are not as much in the cloud have not pushed on IT modernization is that something that you're getting calls from your your agency customers going hey how do we"? go a little faster? How do we turn up what we already have? What are you seeing?
2: Yeah, I mean, in, in some instances, we're seeing that. So there's a couple different things that we're seeing. One is people are, are expanding out their current work from home uh, capabilities as best they can. It's an on-prem solution, and they're trying to expand, expand it with additional infrastructure. But then we have a whole bunch of other customers that are asking us for desktop as a service solutions, right? So cloud-based, hosted, control plane, uh, delivery, everything is from the cloud because. Um, It's easier to spin up. You can rent it on a consumption model that's monthly. So we have a lot of customers that I wouldn't say they're coming to us and say, Oh, I wish I would have invested more in cloud. But they're all looking at what solutions are available through the cloud because they just don't have the wherewithal to set up a, an on-prem work from home telework type of solution that people can remote into and then still Take care of the challenges around bandwidth and security and things of that nature. So, I wouldn't say it's 50 50 on what customers are looking to do or asking for, but there's a big group within, uh, within a whole bunch of different uh, types of technology suites that they're asking us about. Dan,
0: let me bring you into the conversation as well, because as Chris said, to th- th- spin something up to really say, hey, we're going to go to desktop as a service. Can that be done fairly quickly, or agency, yeah. can that be done fairly quickly? Or agencies facing a bigger uphill climb to spin up new capabilities, whether in the cloud or on-prem, but with a cloud flavor or a cloud?
1: I think what what we've seen, I'll say, in in times when things have to be done quickly, and that's been one of the interesting things. This has happened so quickly and been impacted so many people. Just um, you know, it's not just a snow day. That's a couple of days where you have to be away from the office. It's a sustained away from the office with the majority of the agency, and it happened in a very uh, quick manner. So I think typically agencies continue doing what, what they've been doing. So what I mean by that is they're expanding their existing um, capabilities, their existing services. So if they had on-prem, they're they're ordering more infrastructure if they can get it. Like Chris mentioned, you know, there are supply chain concerns, although we personally haven't seen many yet, but obviously there's concerns out there. And then if they're in the public cloud, they're probably expanding there. Um, And part of that goes to just regardless of cloud, public cloud, or on-prem, there there are things like networking setup, security that just can't be done overnight. So you tend to stick with what you've already got and expand from there. But I think there have also been some interesting new lessons learned with public cloud. While people may have been able to quickly spin up, additional capacity or even new services, what we've seen with uh, some of our desktop as a service customers using our frame solution. Um, there have been reports over the last week of the cloud actually running out of capacity. So one of that kind of double-edged cloud has been so quick, people have rushed to you know online additional services and capacity, but there is finite resources in those cloud data centers which people may not have really thought about much before because there just was never such a surge at this sharp a demand in any event like this before. So
0: I think the surge is really the key piece we're getting to here is, is the capacity for agencies to surge to meet needs. I'm not, uh, they all did these kind of telework stress tests, and I think that was very smart of them. Uh, and then some made some, some tweaks, what kind of tweaks or what kind of changes are you seeing around the infrastructure to really address that stress test to once, once they saw, Oh, this is a problem. What, what, what were some of the things that you saw agencies asking to do or doing, or, or what should they have been doing?
1: Yeah, I can uh, throw in the, on the technical side. So what. And I think that the agencies that already had some solution to place some type of telework, and it typically maybe the smaller civilian agencies, like you mentioned, some of the smaller agencies may have been, uh, had a majority of their workforce already enabled for telework. So those agencies, what we saw probably three plus week, weeks ago is they were doing stress tests. We had some of them, we were involved and it's like, all right, everyone's working from home today, even before the OMB guidance came out to start testing for the potential telework scenario. Um, and I think, you know, common stories were heard were just overload on the VPN, overload maybe on older infrastructure. So we've seen some innovative, creative ways to get around those. You know, if there's VPN overload or overload on existing virtual desktop infrastructure, doing things like just simple um, jump, what we call a a jump desktop in the cloud. So uh, a virtual desktop in the cloud just to get you, the ability to get inside of your secure corporate network. Um, also offloading um, things like just typical mission user or office knowledge users to those desktops to relieve the virtual desktop and save that capacity for maybe more high-end users or the VIP user set. So kind of splitting the workloads to ease demand on their existing infrastructure. So some creative new things uh, that have been done uh, to relieve those kind of overload scenarios.
0: Chris, jump in here a little bit because one of the things that when we talk about telework and we talk about other things is the, the, the preparation. And you touched upon on the front end saying that was most important. Um, now that we're a couple of weeks into it, is, is the preparation different? Are, are agencies having to think about different things as the number of teleworkers continues to stay at their peak levels?
2: Yeah, I would say that uh, the demand and the discussions are still happening. Um, we're in constant contact every day with di- different customer sets about uh, what is the quickest solution. Um, some have more flexibility than others around, um, uh, say, going into the cloud immediately versus doing something on-prem. So it's, it's completely different with every customer, but I see the demand and the conversations happening for this. Um, this isn't a two or three week spike and then we'll see it all flatten out. I mean, I think this is going to be an ongoing discussion for months and months to come about not only taking care of the current problem and how do we address our workforce today, uh, but how do we continue to support them for um, periods of three to six months, extended periods of time. And we have, we have offerings across uh, numerous different uh, uh, on-prem and cloud-based. So it makes those conversations easier because uh, um, each customer is different and it's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it sucks to be quarantined at home, but it's interesting to see how we're adapting in the new technologies and offerings and and uh, just the way the customers are operating in this different type of scenario. So, if nothing else, it's a learning experience, and, and I think customers are learning with us as technology vendors.
0: Dan, we saw a lot of people talk about security when, we, when it comes to teleworking. Uh, I've seen NIST put out some recommendations. Uh, the Defense Department has put out a telework tip of the day, and it's usually security-related What are the two or three things you would offer up that maybe people don't think of or haven't thought of around ensuring the security of telework?
1: Yeah, um, you know, one of our executives, we've had obviously lots of uh, internal meetings and we went 100% telework ourselves a couple weeks ago across most of our offices, some offices even, you know, closing due to the local state regulations. So um, he pointed out that really home is the new enterprise edge. You know, there's been such a, one of the recent bud, buzzwords in uh, federal IT has been, you know, internet of things or or the edge and uh, IoT. And really that overnight, that has now become every single user's home network and whatever their device they're accessing their, their enterprise network on. So that opens up a whole new attack vector on the federal agency's network. And we've seen it, there've been reports out there about, you know, cyber, the cyber criminals are not sleeping, they're continuing to target uh, the federal networks, and, and especially DOD has been reporting on that. Um, HHS got hit. So there's definitely a need for users to be continue to be educated, because a lot of it is on the user. And then I think they're also the technical solution of as much as you can do to separate the user's home environment Maybe they're coming in from their, their own device at home, but having their work session in exist in a separate session. Because the challenge with your home device is you're just not thinking about it as much. You're on Facebook, you're doing your personal Gmail. You might click a bad link. And if those environments are, are one, you've now compromised your work session as well. So, you know, there's VPN technology, but also the virtual desktop technology, DAS solutions where the desktop your work desktop lives in a browser but that browser the data stays in the data center so it's not sitting on the home device it's not outside of the corporate firewall and it's also less vulnerable to those phishing attacks when you click on that wrong Facebook link because I mean there have been things like that Johns Hopkins uh, coronavirus map was spoofed and was sent out as malware so that's now you know, opening up people, people are clicking on news articles all, all the time and you, you don't know what a, is a bad link. So the more you uh, can do to separate those environments.
0: I know the Homeland Security Department has been very active, CISTS has been very active in saying, you know, trust sources that you know, don't trust uh, the random source. And I think that's both for misinformation but also for the fear of malware. John, uh, let's take a quick break we can come back we can continue our conversation. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Network.
1: A recent survey revealed that at least 50% of federal agencies are using multiple clouds in their IT environment. Combine that with the legacy infrastructure that most agencies still use, and you can imagine the complexity and the limitations of such an environment. But federal agencies are adopting Nutanix to simplify and manage this complexity. Nutanix software-driven infrastructure and enterprise cloud give IT freedom from complexity, freedom to work with any cloud, to run any application at the scale they need, to use whatever to technology stack suits them, and to invent the technology that will move their mission forward. To learn more about how Nutanix is helping organizations simplify their IT environments, visit Nutanix.com freedom.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today, Dan Fallon, the Senior Director of Federal Engineering at Nutanix, and Chris Howard, the Vice President of U.S. Public Sector, also at Nutanix. Gentlemen, before break, we're talking a little bit about the change that we're seeing across the government but this is also a change for industry specifically uh, Nutanix is changing the way you guys are working now Nutanix is one of those companies that has been a user a big proponent of telework but it's a lot different now what's different now for you all besides the fact you're working from home all the time versus just a couple days a week
2: well i think you know that's the biggest of course is that this is our our new life where we're sitting behind a co- computer screen meeting with our customers there's no opportunity to meet with people in person um, you know, we're all trying to stay home as much as possible. So just an adjustment period, I've been working from home for, uh, 15 years, but I've always had the flexibility if, if I had to travel, if, or I had to go on site for customer or partner meetings. So just the, the fact that this is the new reality for 10 hours a day is, is tough for anyone to deal with. I think even though we're probably more accustomed to dealing with telework, it's still an adjustment for all of us. So there's lots of cool and unique things that we're trying to do to keep people engaged. Everybody wants to see somebody's face. And when you use the video teleconference systems, you can still get a look at people. You're somewhat interacting, you know, we're doing virtual lunches and uh, some virtual happy hours, not, not a ton, but uh, you know, it's just a way to, how do you still get people engaged and bring them together and have a semblance of a team and a, you know, uh, an organization that that's still willing to help and be there when you need them and that type of thing. You know, you can't, you can't go next to your uh, cube mate and tap on his or her shoulder when you need something, but uh, it's creating a, an interesting dynamic for, for how, we're, how we're working today, and I think this is going to be some of the new normal that goes forward. I don't, I don't foresee uh, us going all back to the other side of getting on airplanes and, and, and face-to-face. I think it's going to be a nice mix. It's not going to go away, and we're still going to do those types of things, but I think it's going to provide a lot more flexibility around how we how we interact with our customers and our other vendor community.
0: Generally speaking, when you talk to your partners, Nutanix partners, or you talk to your federal customers, is it through VTC? Is it mostly by phone? Is it by email? What's And I know not everyone's this, the same, but what, what's just generally speaking.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're still doing a lot by phone um, and email, of course, but the amount of video teleconferencing that has increased has been substantial. I would say, you know... Um, at least 50% more of my meetings are done within this type of format where I can see where we can see each other, assuming they're putting their, their video screen on. Um, so I've seen a significant uptick in, 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 this type of collaboration, which I think is positive. Um, I think talking on the phone with people is great and talking, uh, through email is, is fantastic, but having this type of interaction when we're not able to see people, I think this is fantastic in the way that, uh, the way that we're going to do a lot more meetings moving forward and just internal engagement with our employees.
0: So, Dan, as a person who's an engineer who's got to make sure the VTC works, who gets the call, when people go, hey, I kept dropping. I have this latency. Um, What's the tax, if you will, that all this video, all this discussion is having on the network on systems?
1: Yeah, it definitely increases the demand for for bandwidth and overall system usage. Um, I mean, it's remarkable how we've always had the capability, the ability there to use video. But a lot of us, I think, until recently didn't always turn it on, so now, just the fact that we're not you know we're we're stuck at home, we're not seeing each other in the office has uh, prompted people to enable their video and i you know I'm encouraging across my team it helps helps us stay connected because even though we're being forced to stay at home, we still want to be connected to everyone, even if we can't touch them within you know six feet so it, the video helps people stay connected, but yeah, everyone having their video on definitely boosts the, the bandwidth demand, you know, on the home network, the home router, and then depending on the firewall and how everything's routing through the corporate network, you know, it could be a bandwidth drain there. If If people are doing VPNs where it's a full tunnel VPN, that means all the network traffic from whatever device they're on is going through the corporate network and they have to have the capacity to handle all that. So it's definitely... Um, definitely a potential demand there, but I think the benefit is, is very relevant. You know, it's, it helps the teams interact and it helps make the meetings that would normally be in person, uh, as effective, almost as effective as if they were in person. So I think it is a critical element to keep in that, that, um, communication interaction in this, you know, difficult time. I've seen several agencies that have actually
0: put out notices to say, for instance, when you're on the VPN network, we're gonna turn off access to some of the social media streaming stuff to really try to lighten load. We've seen other people say uh, other advice, hey, when you're not on the VPN, when you're not using the VPN, don't get on the VPN. Is that some of the advice you'd offer from an engineering perspective for people to keep in mind, even in the back of
1: their head? Yeah, we actually had, um, you know, for, for myself and Chris, uh, we're the field team. So we're used to being outside of the office and using things that are SaaS-based, not always requiring the VPN tunnel. But our engineering, all, of, all our developers who are now working from home, they're the ones accessing the resources behind the corporate firewall. And they, uh, the other day on our uh, communication, our chat tool, they threw out, hey, would everyone please start using the VPN in split tunnel mode? So what that does is it separates your traffic like on your device you're going to facebook you're streaming youtube all that traffic is outside of the corporate vpn only your your enterprise network traffic what's going to the services inside the firewalls going through the vpn so i think split tunnel mode is definitely one thing that um if people didn't already have that setting they're looking at that now because that i mean the, the vpns just purely weren't designed for this load just having 100% of the people outside of the network firewall. So I think there are definitely settings like that. Um, There's, yeah, I mean, just different, you know, there are different technologies out there um, that might be more modern options uh, for just the traditional VPN technology. And then there are also things that we're seeing with like cloud architectures. You know, one of the benefits of doing a desktop as a service solution is you could actually have a direct connect or a site-to-site VPN. So you no- might not have a VPN on your end device at your house, but you log into that desktop in the cloud and your uh, cloud environment is now connected to your corporate network through some type of direct connect technology or site-to-site VPN, which is probably much better set up for a bigger bandwidth than everyone coming in over an individual VPN from everybody's house. So there, there are different options for doing the architecture like that.
0: I actually never heard of the split VPN. Is this something that any agency could do, just as you said, turn on, or is this something that certain VPNs do it and certain ones
1: don't? Yeah, it all depends on the VPN technology, and a lot of it depends on the security policy. Um, obviously on government furnished equipment, GFE devices, the security team may not allow a split VPN. They may not want any traffic leaving that government device. So they may enforce it to be in full tunnel mode, which means all the traffic's going over in the corporate network. So it all depends on the policies.
0: Concerns we've heard time and again, is about uh, the VPN's too slow. I can't do work, the network can't handle it. So, which is uh, actually is a great segue because Chris, bring, talk a little bit about the managing of people who are teleworking. It's one thing to manage people who are used to teleworking. Hey, you and I don't work together. But hey, when we're in the office every single day and now I'm managing you kind of remotely, that's a, that's
2: a big change. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like I said uh, when we talked a few minutes ago, we're probably more used to working from home. So we think we have somewhat of an advantage, but it hasn't been easy having the entire workforce. So we've been trying to come up with creative ideas. I think the number one thing is well, one, have the tools necessary to offer up people uh, the ability to collaborate and do video teleconferencing, assuming that you have that capability or it's allowed from a security perspective. But then schedule things that are. you know the whole point of them is to get people to interact. Whether that's uh, doing virtual lunches, or we've increased our our teleconferencing um, training by probably tenfold because people um, they're looking for activities to do. In some instances, where they maybe they have a half hour of downtime, so can I can I get engagement from the team and make some sort of interactive training um, or some sort of delivery of communication to this to the workforce that I think is important. But we're we're strongly encouraging they use the the video capability instead of just their name. I mean, some people still haven't bought into that, but I think we've got about a 75%, 80% acceptance. Um, still trying to push the other people. Um, but that's the hardest thing. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, a lot of people feel isolated. A lot of people feel, um, you know, it's just not natural for them not to feel comfortable going out and visiting with people. So just giving them the opportunity to do as much of that as you can remotely through the technologies that you have, I think it's going to be the, the, the biggest bang for the buck. And I'm excited to see what type of innovation happens from all this. Uh, I, I don't even think we've scratched the surface on on capabilities of what we can deliver for telework and people working from home. I mean, there's good technologies that exist today, but I, I, I foresee a whole new offering coming about from <laughs> from startups and, and other technology companies. Because uh, like, like we talked about, this is going to be, I, I wouldn't say this is the new normal. But this is going to be with us for a while, and I think people are going to take advantage of this type of technology um, instead of uh, getting on an airplane or, or doing the things that we used to do.
0: You make a great point of the, the again, maybe not the new normal, but this is definitely going to make us rethink how we do work day in and day out. And as we get more comfortable using VTC or using uh, a, a kind of the remote working, there's people I know who say, I can never work from home, but now they have to, probably are going to find it it's not so bad. I can do it once a week. Uh, so, so give me a sense of how do you foresee this changing the approach to work in the federal market? What does this mean for Nutanix? What does it mean for your customers? What does it mean for what people are going to ask of Nutanix to deliver?
2: Yeah. So that's, uh, that's all playing out in real life right now. So we're, we're seeing it every day. Um, I think right now um, the impact isn't as as big from a net new requirements perspective people are trying to do um, and and move out with technology that you 've been talking with them about for six years outside of things that are popping up from strictly a work from home or telework. Um, I think that um, you know the government's still going to have requirements and there's still going to be people that are uh, going into the office and working so um, I think that this work from home and collaboration technologies, we're going to see an uptick in that type of thing, as well as, you know, I, I think that there's going to be some, some additional offerings around desktop as a service. I haven't seen like a major infrastructure technology mind shift, mind shift, uh, as of yet. I mean, everything still seems to be operating as normal. Um, so I, I don't know what six months from now, what, what this is going to do. I think, uh, I think it'll be interesting to watch play out. I think there's going to be some net new requirements. I I just don't know off the top of my head outside of a telework or work from home or collaboration type of technology. Um, uh, But I'm excited to see it. I mean, it's uh, this is the first time that we've ever been through something like this and nobody wants to go through this. But it does spur innovation. It spurs technology, different types of offerings. So it's going to be interesting to see the way that this all plays out and how much the government can actually take advantage of just based on security requirements and things of that nature.
0: And Dan, just real quick, you get about 20 seconds or less uh, from a technology, from an engineering perspective, this has also opened the door for, for what's the one thing maybe you're going to be surprised about, better cameras or better,
1: better audio from our computers? Yeah, I think everyone will upgrade their webcam after this when they're back in supply. But I think the other trend we'll see at the enterprise side is multi-cloud. I think there's going to be an increasing demand. We've already seen it, but it's going to push to the forefront of having an open architecture that has the flexibility to shift across clouds because of what we talked about in the last segment of cloud capacity running out or the demand to First from your on-prem data center that needs additional capacity. So just that flexibility to expand services rapidly, it, you know, this has definitely emphasized a big need for that.
0: All right, very nice. I'm sure we will follow all the, the trials and tribulations over the next few months, but that's all the time we have for today. So you've been listening to the IT Innovation Insiders, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Network. I've been your host, Jason Miller. Let me thank my guest, Dan Fallon, the Senior Director of Federal Engineering at Nutanix. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you as well. And Chris Howard, the Vice President of U.S. Public Sector, also at Nutanix. Chris, always a pleasure to catch up.
2: Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me.
0: For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search IT Innovation Insider. Thank you for listening to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix for Federal News Network, 1500 AM and federalnewsnetwork.com. Today's episode can be found on
2: demand at federalnewsnetwork.com, keyword NTNX.